on two separate occasions after President Trump tweeted, liberate Michigan to subvert stay home orders to protect the public health of people in Michigan. Protesters swarmed the Michigan Capitol carrying guns, some with swastikas, Confederate flags, and one even with a dark-haired doll with a noose around its neck. Are you aware that these protesters called for the governor to be lynched, shot, and beheaded? No. You're not aware of that? I was not aware of that. Major protests in Michigan. You're the attorney general, and you didn't know that the protesters called for the governor to be lynched, shot, and beheaded. So obviously you couldn't be concerned about that. So the point I'm trying to make here, Mr. Barr, that I think is very important for the country to understand is that there is a real discrepancy in how you react as the attorney general, the top cop in this country, when white men with swastikas storm a government building with guns, there is no need for the president to, quote, activate you because they're getting the president's personal agenda done. But when black people and people of color protest police brutality, systemic racism, and the president's very own lack of response to those critical issues, then you forcibly remove them with armed federal officers, pepper bombs, because they are considered terrorists by the president. You take an aggressive approach to Black Lives Matter protests, but not to right-wing extremists threatening to lynch a governor if it's for the Trump's, if it's for the president's benefit. Did I get it right, Mr. Barr? All right, and uh, welcome to Hampton Propaganda video podcast series. This is episode two, focusing on the rise of the alt-right. I'm very excited to introduce my first guest, my first guest that I've ever had, um, and a very important instrumental figure, a a prominent journalist in Southern California, uh, a writer for the Los Angeles Times, a former publisher and editor of the Orange County Alternative Weekly, OC Weekly, the face literally of the Orange County Register. Uh, He writes proficiently on topics from uh, alt-right extremism. He covers um, immigration issues extensively. Uh, And on top of that, a hero of mine for covering uh, pedophile priests, um, which he's done a number of brilliant exposés there. So again, it is my great honor to uh, introduce Mr. Gustavo. How's it going? Hey, brother. How you doing? Good. Good to see you, man. For sure. For sure. How have you been? I've been good. I've been good. How have you been? Just working, hustling. You know how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're doing your thing. I've been watching um, some of your Instagram lives. Oh, that's just blather, but that's good. It's, it's <laughs> I good. Have fun. That's what matters. Yeah, your your people love you too, man. You got a very loyal, <laughs> got a very loyal base. I appreciate that. Yeah. But I've been, uh, you know, checking out your newsletters. Still, still watching Thank your work. You. Man, it's been like 15 years since I've been reading your stuff. Damn. You know, seeing you in the OC Weekly, the OC Register. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you were the OC register for a good chunk of time, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just hustling, that's all I can do, you know? Yeah, yeah. But hey, I appreciate your time. I know you're busy. Yeah, no, I know you got sure. a lot. Um, so this means a lot. Really appreciate you you there, buddy. No um, worries, man. So yeah, first, um, how are you doing uh you know, through all this? Um with the George Floyd protest and you know, across the country. I've been thinking of you, especially lately, um, with the attacks on journalists. Um, it's, yeah. it's been a lot, um, you know, even for American journalists, but foreign journalists too. 
right? There's been a lot of uh, complaints to the State Department um, on behalf of the different embassies. Um, and yeah, so first of all, how have you been through all this and, and what has been, you know, how have you felt seeing that, seeing your colleagues and, you know, fellow fellow professionals out there in the in the midst of all this? Yeah, it's dangerous to be a journalist right now. It always has been in the United States one way or another, if you're just telling the truth. But now, even more so, just the act of being a journalist can be dangerous. There's people on both sides. You have people who say journalism is fake news. You have people saying that journalists are a tool of the carceral state. And uh, you know, most of my colleagues, the vast majority of them, they're just there to document the story for better or for worse. And all I would ask for the public, whether you agree with the coverage or not, is just to allow them to do their work. Of course, as of if, if you as a protester says, I do not want to be interviewed or I do not want to be photographed, that should be respected as well. But otherwise, let them do their work. A lot of times, a lot of the a lot of good in this country has come about from journalists being able to tell, the, tell what they see out there. And we're going back to, you know, to the past, to the muckrakers of the past, to all the way to the present. Absolutely, absolutely. What would you what would you tell to independent journalists, people that are on the street right now? I mean, what advice would you give to them for their own personal safety, protection, and then also strategy for covering? Strength in numbers. Identify yourself as a reporter, whether a vest. That's not going to save you, by the way. That hasn't stopped police officers from firing a non-lethal projectiles at them but strength in numbers really put yourself with the people at hand and then after that it's just go out there and tell the story make sure to document everything that you have whether it's via video whether it's via notes whatever it is but have copious documentation and then go out and tell the story and, and at the end do not be afraid now more than ever with so much video out there by private citizens a lot of the stories that in the past, the powers that be could just dismiss as, oh, it's a journalist with an agenda, they're proven, they're getting proven correct again and again and again. So just trust that what you see, the truth will set you free. But that said, document everything you have. Amen to that. So I want to read to you, this is from US Press Freedom Tracker. Right now, 173 journalists that have been attacked, 47 equipment damages, 53 journalists arrested, 10 equipment search or seize uh so for you uh have you had to deal with this have you had equipment seized? Uh, you know what, what's been your personal experience with this it hasn't happened to me during this year it has happened to some of my, my colleagues i mean two of my colleagues carolyn cole and i believe it was molly hennessy fisk they were uh you know they got tear gas they were right in the middle of it they got hit by especially carolyn cole a pulitzer prize winner winning photographer who has been out in war zones across the world and here she had to come to the united states to get tear gassed by uh you know uh, law enforcement it, it, it's pathetic it's frankly pathetic i mean if someone like carolyn cole cannot be safe cannot be guaranteed safety by police officers or by law enforcement while covering rallies and who can be who can think they're safe right We're seeing senior citizens in buffalo getting pushed down to the ground and then police officer just passing walking past them as if nothing happened and then insinuating that they you know they brought it upon themselves because they're quote unquote radicals last i checked everyone is afforded 
due process. Everyone is afforded the benefit, frankly, the benefit of the doubt, especially from law enforcement, an agency of the government that, by the way, they get their money from our tax dollars. So we are their bosses, not the other way around. Is there someone you can look to, like who, who would hold, you know, police, law enforcement uh, accountable for, you know, these specific situations where a journalist gets unfairly arrested or, you know, shot, I've seen someone that lost an, an eye or, you know, severely damaged their eye from being shot in the face. Who's their watchdog? Like, who would you go to if you had a certain situation like that and, you know, you felt like you need to either register a complaint or maybe file a lawsuit or, or how would that work? Sadly, I don't see any real recourse. You would have to need a district attorney's office that's willing to file charges after they see your evidence. I had this, I had experience like this actually, not myself, but reporters of mine, when I used to be the editor of the OC Weekly, they got assaulted by bona fide white supremacists and there was video evidence of it. And there was also uh, evidence that the, it wasn't the police department of Huntington Beach, it was uh, geez, I, I forget the agency, but basically whoever's in charge of the coast, they did absolutely nothing. They ignored our request for an investigation. So I lodged a formal complaint with the state of California against this uh, officer. And uh, he was found, uh, the, the, what I got back from this official report was that uh, law enforcement's not supposed to, like, doesn't isn't required to respond to any press complaints. Even though we had all this, Evidence, not even oh evidence. God. You saw right there, white supremacists beating up my reporters and still nothing happened. So sadly, you need an agency that cares, but they're always going to side with their people as opposed to the press, which for, for government, the press is always going to be a nuisance. You, you've never had a, a government that uh, applauded the press. They At best, they tolerated it. Mm. And more often than not, they try to suppress it one way or another. And, and this is something I want to specifically ask you, okay? Because I've really appreciated over the course of your career seeing the range of topics that you can cover, right? Um, you're, I knew you as a food critic uh, when I first met you. Uh, obviously, you're very proficient there, uh, but I've seen this range that extends to immigration, to you know, uh, Latino culture. Again, Ask a Mexican, one of my favorite columns there. Um, but then also to things like uh, covering you know, pedophile priests. And my personal favorite, your exposés of uncovering a lot of sort of legendary mythological figures in Orange County history, right? Covering Brea, Yorba Linda, Anaheim, Fullerton. If a school was named after somebody that was a member of the John Birch Society or the KKK that was a former sheriff or superintendent or mayor or police chief, um, and that name was changed, it's a chance, chances are it's because Gustavo did an expose spotlighting these guys and, and showing that, you know, through his research in the 1920s, this former uh, sheriff was the, you know, grandmaster of the KKK. So I gotta say, that has made you a hero in, in our household. Um, and I, I certainly appreciate the uh, coverage there. And what would you say to people that want to go out to those protests? Because a lot of people, even even up here when, when these started, and we had some pockets of, of violence up here, right? The, a couple guys rammed their cars in, into crowds. A guy got out with a gun. Um, there's a couple shootings at these things. And, you know, a lot, of, a lot of friends and colleagues wanted to be out there. They felt like they were called to be out there. You know, exactly what you were talking about uh, just a minute ago with that conviction. Uh, but I was kind of saying, hey, look, you know, this isn't normal times. You know, the, these people are showing up specifically to attack, to, uh, you know, be provocateurs and to specifically, you know, uh, 
you know, cause a stir and be violent. So, you know, what would you say to, to people like, you know, myself or others that want to be out there, but, you know, uh, we don't want to be naive too, to, to those kind of threats. Uh, strength in numbers. That's what I would say. If you really have that calling, don't go by yourself, go with 50 other of your friends. Again, these people are cowards or not. They'll, they'll gang up on one person. They won't gang up on a hundred people. They wouldn't dare do so, but also go in with open eyes, going back to the Huntington beach protest. Uh, I believe that was 2017. We had video evidence of these alt losers showing, you know, hitting people with sticks, showing up with brass knuckles, which are illegal in California mm -hmm. and swinging at, at people, videotaped evidence, but law enforcement did absolutely nothing with this evidence. So you can't go to these protests and assume, oh, the people on the side of the law, they're going to protect me. No, the only people that are going to protect you are ultimately yourself. I do not advocate for violence. I know some folks sometimes find it justified. I personally do not see so. That said, if someone punches me, I have every right to punch them back or better yet, all 50 of my friends have all the right in the world to beat them up and drive them out of town. And your, your friend that was assaulted, like he was punched in the face, right? Oh yeah, punched in the face multiple times and then punched by someone else. Um, other people, and, and it, I don't wanna just highlight my reporters. Other people were uh, pepper sprayed. Other people were kicked, uh, assaulted on the ground. One guy, as he was running away from a crowd of alt losers, was hit on the chest with a rock right in front of California. Uh, I don't know if it was California Highway Patrol or State, Pol State Beach Police or whatever they call themselves. But that law enforcement official did absolutely nothing, nothing. Even though the videotape evidence shows that this law enforcement officer saw the assault happen and saw the assailant. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I like how you call them alt-right losers. I've been, I've been floating the white- Not even alt-right losers, just alt-losers. <laughs> alt-losers. I've been, I've been floating the white inferiority movement because to me, <laughs> there's nothing, there's nothing superior about these guys. They, this is completely an inferiority complex, right? They're afraid yeah. of their culture changing, the, of losing their grip, their power, political leverage, whatever it is. Yeah. And you know, there's no confidence there, right? I mean, these guys are, you know, I love the the videos of these guys training in the in the you know in Irvine and stuff like that, like they're you know teenage mutant ninja douchebags. Oh, the yeah. <laughs> emerging from the sewers where they belong. <laughs> and to what go to a protest to attack a 50 year old black woman like you really got to tape up and and you know bring uh, broken pipes and bats and stuff like that to to attack people that are not ready for that it just seems absolutely pathetic yeah well i, I think it's telling of them i mean i i get i'm the child of mexican immigrants so i you know i had to learn what the united states was and for me it's just very telling that a lot of people a lot of these people a lot of these alt losers have a, a, a genuine distrust in the very United States that they uphold. If the United States is supposed to be this country that accepts everyone in a democracy, that melting pot, why is it that all of a sudden stops now with people like myself, with black and brown folks and Muslim folks? Like, it makes no sense. So then you're basically saying that this America that your parents fought or grandparents fought for, that it's one big, huge lie. I believe in that America. If, if the child of an undocumented immigrant loves this or loves the idea of, of America more than you do, then who truly is a treasonous person? Who truly is a person who's against the United States? Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, my next question is, where do you see these groups going? So in 2016, obviously there was a resurgence, rise of these groups. They're very galvanized, they're organized. Um, 
you know, it, it was definitely a pushback from Obama in eight years of them being disenfranchised, marginalized, and, and feeling, you know, politically like they're the minority. Um, coming up here, you know, we could be going in this exact same direction. Okay, we let, let's presume we have we have Biden. Um, where do these groups groups go with a Biden victory? How do you see them? Um, you know, what's their place in society? Where do you see them going after uh, after the election? I that's a good question. I do not have the answer to that. I would assume that they're probably going to do like what the Tea Party did or the Tea Party movement did in 2010 and take back the House and get into elected office. You already see some of these people running, you know, yeah. running for office. And they're, you know, once their past gets found out, once their belief system gets put out there, for the most part, they lose. But they're trying to infiltrate. They, they're not going to try an armed resur uh, insurrection. They're too cowardly to do something like that. And, and, and frankly, other people will make sure that that doesn't happen. But I think they'll just go back. It, it, what? That's the story of the United States. So one group loses, then one group wins, and then they win, and then they lose. Back and forth, a seesaw battle. The problem now, though, is that it, people are so much more galvanized to do mm -hmm. bad stuff. So we as a society, I, I, a lot of people on the left have always said, I mean, before this, they said, oh, ignore these people. They're harmless. Mm -hmm. They're you know, you're just drawing more attention to their cause. Mm -hmm. Me, as someone who devoted so long to cover our alt losers, you have to shine a spotlight on them because they're like cockroaches. They scurry off until they get to a corner where they can't run anymore, and then you have your chance. Then a follow-up to that would be, you know, what, what should our expectations do of how to handle these guys, you know, again, considering like Biden wins and we're going to go through another round of these guys being the minority, but then being upset because they are the minority and, and sort of, you know, kind of uniting that way. So from our end, you know, what should we be looking to do? Continue to spotlight these guys and, and such, or, you know, do we rally, you know, our legislators to make more intense laws to protect people that are protesting or, or people that are targeted by these, you know, alt, alt losers? Again, these people can have all the beliefs that they want. I support that 100%, the right to do so. It's when they in, in, engage in violence that that's the issue with that. So should there be laws? Maybe if you're going out there to uh, to violate someone's right to free assembly, yeah, you should be prosecuted to the fullest, fullest extent of the law. In terms of that said, I also don't believe in excluding people and ostracizing people and just shun shunning them because that's when they get even deeper into yeah. their own bullshit. I believe not if not reconciliation, I believe in people in giving people the chance to be able to come to their better senses and realize that what the, what their beliefs in the past of violence to try to assert authority is wrong and get back with the program if you know to use a cliche. Yeah. Well, I, hey, I appreciate that you say that because obviously I vehemently disagree with these violent, you know, alt losers. However, it does stick to your moral integrity as an ethical journalist. And again, this is something that I just give you a tantamount or, you know, so much level of respect for because you are old school. You are cut from that cloth of the 70s and 80s that intrepid journalist that is unwavering and unrelenting but also has a real strict moral compass in terms of their ethics in journalism and i so much appreciate that because you're not going to waver you know in your approach or, or your integrity um, in how you cover these things i really haven't covered those groups of the times and most of my coverage was with those weekly and i i got pulled into it only in the sense that i knew there was a story there i knew many people weren't covering it 
And once I once it turned out I was pretty good at covering it, then of course I was going to continue to do so. And especially given in Orange County, which has had such a history of these alt losers, why would I ignore them? And I just continued it as long as possible. I still keep my eye out on them, but I don't cover it as much as I would like to or as much as I used to. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it because again, it helps us. It helps our cause, you know, and not just you know, African-Americans, uh, people of color, Native Americans, women, you know, really a lot of these groups that are marginalized and, and targeted by these groups. So I, I very much appreciate your, you know, your journalism over the years. And uh, what, just, uh, you know, personal aside, what, what do you like to cover? Like, what is your, I mean, I know you like food. You're really good there. You're good on immigration issues. You're, you're awesome at uh, spotlighting again, uh, pedophile priest, yeah. <laughs> another, another one of my favorites that makes you, you know, a total hero in, in our household. Oh, uh, but, but what's your particular, you know, what do you like as, as far as what you prefer to cover or? Honestly, I just like covering good stories, and it could be whatever subject. I mean, for the Times alone, I've covered, you know, vegans who hold these vigils for the pigs that are about to be slaughtered at Farmer John's, the Farmer John's facility in Vernon. I did a story about a apple farmer, a self-identified conservative, who sued a school district in the Inland Empire because they broke off their contract with him and uh, for field trips, and he said they violated his First Amendment rights. I obviously did not agree with his take on the issue, but I just thought it was a fascinating story. So uh, in general, especially with the times, the way, the way I describe my job, I try to tell stories who tell us who we were, who we are, and who we're becoming as Californians. I think you can't, uh, you, I think you cannot plan for the future unless you understand the past, and you're not gonna understand the past if you don't know it. And you also have to connect the dots between the past and right now and see how that creates a road for what's ahead of you. And that, and in that case, that means everything, sports, honestly, all of it. There, there is no one issue I would not want to cover. There's always, there's some that I like more than others. So obviously I do like to cover food. I do like to cover religion. I do like corruption, but <laughs> a, bit, a good business story I'll do, uh, a good sports story I'll do. A little, a, I've done car reviews for crying out loud. I love doing car reviews, they're fun. <laughs> And the, the thing, you're good at all of them. I think that's really, uh, you gotta, right. you gotta, hey, seriously. No, I mean, not many people can have that range in, in their skill level of being able to, you know, write a definite on multiple issues across the spectrum like that. So certainly appreciate that. And definitely, obviously, that range extends into, you know, current topics and um, wondering what your perspective is uh, with the Breonna Taylor case, because this is something that I've watched and uh, followed very closely. It's very dear to my heart. It's important to, you know, myself, my business and, um, you know, tracking how this develops. But it's been really fascinating to see the evolution or the progression of this, right? Because it started out, you know, in, in March when Breonna Taylor was killed and it, and it started with the rally cry of say her name, show her face, give her um, you know, the attention deserved or merited from, from this, like show her face, show her name. And, and then that sort of developed or progressed into let's spotlight her killers. Let's hold them accountable. Right. And then let's match their names to these pictures. Uh, and now that we know that one officer has been in fact fired, there's still two more that we're waiting to see what happens. Uh, but this is an interesting thing to watch and see how this develops. And, um, I'm curious, you know, from your perspective, uh, as a journalist to see you know what your thoughts are on the movement so far how it's sort of morphed 
um, you know, into this uh, a greater issue of, of demanding more and actually, you know, having these groups and protesters that are galvanized to uh, stay the course and to really ensure that something happens in this situation for justice. I think it's incredibly important to not just say the name of Breonna, but also George, also Stefan, also Kelly Thomas, homeless man killed by Fullerton police officers in Fullerton back in 2011. Way too many people, way, 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 way too many people out there. In terms of asking, I mean, the, the evidence is there. These police officers went in without a warrant. They uh, shot and they killed Breonna and they claim self-defense and now evidence is coming otherwise. Unfortunately, the way law enforcement is all across the country, the odds are always stacked in the favor of law enforcement to basically say we felt our lives were in danger and uh, and be able to either plead not guilty or be found not guilty or found innocent of any charges. So what I would tell activists, it's important to push for whatever justice is out there, whether it is through law enforcement and through convictions to push through that. But if it doesn't happen, you cannot be discouraged. You cannot be disappointed. You just have to push on. And what that is, every situation is going to be different. I'm familiar with Louisville. I go there once a year. I, I wasn't able to go this year, unfortunately, but I, you know, I have friends there and whatnot. I enjoy the scene. And I, there's a lot of issues of inequity in Louisville, in the West Side, in West Louisville, you know, severely impacted. Uh, Louisville has one of the highest rates of poverty for African-American residents of any big city in the country. So it doesn't end with Breonna and it doesn't end with trying to find justice for her by going after her killers. It means going and creating a systematic change in what the city is. And I know, and I know the activists know that, but I would just urge uh, strength and, uh, What's the saying? Just forbearance, for lack of a better term, in pushing for a total, a total justice instead of the righteous yet specific justice that is going after Breonna's killers. That's good. And I want to read to you real quick. This is from the Marshall Project because I think this goes really in line with what you're saying. Um, commenting about if it's realistic that they're going to be able to charge these guys for the murder. Um, one of them's been fired, right? But the other two. Yep. Uh, so they, they said simply, uh, but it's not that simple, partly because of tangled legal doctrine that applies to Kentucky and 28 other states. There's no specific law in these jurisdictions addressing police shooting in self-defense, which means officers have the same rights and obligations as any resident. Yet police have the unique power to initiate violence, like knocking down the door of a private home in the middle of the night that the other people don't. So I guess my question to you is, where can we pivot if we don't get what we want as far as you know these other two officers fired they're not charged you know we don't want that movement to dissolve but how can we pivot to the next step of what you're talking about addressing these larger you know economic political social you know these things that are going on specifically in louisville get involved with your community push for that economic justice push for that uh, environmental justice run for office i in this country it's gotta be like this for a while, no matter how no matter how much other people claim otherwise, it's still a democracy. You can still run for office, run for city council. Look at what happened in Missouri with uh, Black Lives Matter uh, activists, it, you know, beating an incumbent in the primary for the Democrats, a, a, an incumbent whose family has been in charge for a while there in that congressional seat. Uh, it is possible, change is possible, but you have to push for it. And lastly, uh, also, if you do not, if you don't like some of this prosecutorial 
pushes or lack of pushes, well, then vote for people who are going to be better. Look at what happened with Larry Krasner in Philadelphia, Chesa Bowden in San Francisco. You can work within the system. The, I, I always say the left, like, but the vast majority of Americans do not want to see the system dismantled for better or for worse. We should push to change the system within the system, run within this, get in within and then change from within. I think that will be more palatable to many, many more people. And you can find more quick, uh, what was it he said, uh, change yeah. that way change but to each their own so i gotta go now yeah. though unfortunately it's like the half hour but i appreciated this interview a lot hey thank you very much for your time sir i definitely appreciate it and all of your great gems of information there hey best to you wish you the luck uh, my brother and hopefully looking forward to seeing you again someday when i'm uh, in southern california yeah you keep me posted man thank you again all right take care gustavo thank you again all right take care man all right adios